What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in. Asian bitches down under the podcast about sharing information and perspectives from the Asian diasporas in society and culture. We encourage you to subscribe to our show by Apple, Google, or Spotify. If you have enjoyed our episodes, please support us by giving us a five-star rating and get your friends on board to listen to us. Finally, we would love you to support this podcast by donating to our Buy Me a Coffee program. Your wonderful support and donations will help us to continue creating the platform for diversity and inclusivity. Make sure you check out the episode show notes for any collaborations we're working with to promote. Thanks again, and we hope you will enjoy today's episode. Hey y'all, this is Jessie. Hi, this is Helen. And we are Asian Bitches Down Under, recording on the last few days of the month of April. Helen, the sun is out. I went for a walk around the neighborhood, the river. It's very nice. You had dogs to accompany you. I had a couple of uh, podcasts to uh, accompany me. Um, namely, well, that's what I do as well. Oh, I'm yeah. Walking by oh, myself. Yeah, but if I, I'm not like disturbed by my dogs husband or my kids because right. you know one of my child constantly talks all the time yeah yeah it's <laughs> so, adorable <laughs> so during the walk with my kids that she would just non-stop talking about her life her school oh my what god she i thinks, love her this opinion. that's so cute that's adorable yeah for those who doesn't know my daughter speaks a lot like excessively oh when god, she I doesn't her. stop I love so she's her. got her podcast herself yeah where she talks about animals and her her own book reviews. Yeah, yeah, it's, it is a book review. Seriously. Yeah, it is book review. It's really and, cute. And for those who want to know, yeah. it's Koala Explorer. Mm-hmm. You should totally yeah. get down on that. Um, and she yeah. loves telling jokes as well. Oh, it's so yeah. adorable. Yeah. Yeah. So coming back to my walk by myself now, she started turn two. Um, yeah, I listen to you know Code Switch, The Argument, anything that's on NPR. What about mm-hmm. you? Uh, I listen. My favorite podcast is um, uh, Drew Billy and Drew's The Pilot Club, which is oh yeah, that's back right. This week, yes, the most amazing. exciting news of the century. Um, this week they talk about Gaslit, which is the new Stan show. Oh yeah, on, yeah. Um, on, Julia um, Julia Roberts and Roberts, Sean Penn yeah. on Stan. Uh-huh. Um, okay. Billy gave it a, a thumbs down, so I don't think oh, I'm going to watch it. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I also back and honestly the best human being, like the smartest human being on the planet, probably um, <laughs> that I don't know who I have not met yet. Wesley Morris and uh, uh-huh. still yes. processing this season. Oh, he right. is mm-hmm. he is um, interviewing people and going through different genres and topics this week season Jenna Wortham is unfortunately not with him which is kind of sad because I feel like I listen to the podcast a lot because of their dynamics yeah because of their um, rapport it's just extraordinary Mm -hmm. their friendship is so palpable and so delightful there's just such delightful people but I mean Mm -hmm. Wesley Morris I just think I would listen to him just like I would listen to Billy talk about the paint on the wall or like the science behind <laughs> the most dull thing ever. It's just they can make things really interesting and alive. Uh-huh. So yeah, yeah that's a skill. Are, I know Definitely, it's amazing, yeah. and that uh, that's what I've been doing this morning. And it's sweating, sweating a lot mm-hmm. of sweating today. Yeah, so humid. A bit of humidity. Like, yeah. yeah, Sydney's mm-hmm. experiencing a bit of humidity today. But uh, let's uh, wrap up about our week and what we were watching, what we were mm-hmm. reading. I, in terms of books, I don't have anything to. 
I've been kind of scattered in my reading. Oh, I'm still finishing okay. every every day going back to Nanette, Ten Steps to Nanette, which is Hannah okay. Gatsby's book. Yeah, yeah. I'm still, still trying ready. to finish that. <laughs> yeah. Um, my next book is um, Finding Me by Viola Davis, uh, who, okay. which is you know um, a memoir by. Every, obviously you guys all know who that extraordinary actress is so I'm, I'm very excited to be picking up these memoirs by these extraordinary men um, my gang and I are watching Gossip Girl the original season and oh, going through it slowly it's really awesome it's very kind of like snappy and the writing is quite good and sharp so um, I personally can't wait to watch the reboot of it which came out I feel like in the last two years but Helen did you ever mm-hmm. did you ever get into the original Gossip Girl? I, I feel like, like you... I never watched those no, kind of Helen things. Helen never got into all the things that I was into. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, such a boring yes, person like Gossip I don't watch Sex and the City, I don't watch Sex Friends, yeah. I don't oh, well, watch who's Gossip Friends? Girls. Basic people. <laughs> Gossip Girl yeah. yeah I guess some people might say Gossip Girl is quite basic I, I remember really liking it just for its kind of voyeuristic um, sort of atmosphere. Like, I always felt like I was getting mm. an insight into the really uber-wealthy kids of New York City. Uh, yes. And I guess uh-huh. that was, like, quite titillating. interesting. Yeah. yeah. But obviously, I, I, I honestly, I don't know how believable it is that... Because these kids, like Chuck, for instance, Chuck Bass played by Ed Westwick, who has such a strange face. You can't really tell whether he's hot or ugly. Um, <laughs> but um, he is like, they're all very, very wealthy. Serena, Blair, okay. um, yeah. Nate, they're all very, even Dan, who like, just because his dad's a muso and they live in like Brooklyn. And like back in the mid noughties Brooklyn was like seen as something other. Whereas now, obviously, Brooklyn is like, you know, the one, center one of, of the everything. Most wealthy yeah. par- parts of the world, yeah. But like, it's so funny that just because Dan's character is like, his dad is like a musician um, mm-hmm. or like a former mu- rock star. And also, his dad is the most annoying character. It's like, oh, he's like poor or he's like on the other. And, and uh-huh. it's just really funny. And all of them are obviously ludicrously good looking. But it's funny because like um, some of them get driven by a limo to get to get to their school, mm-hmm. um, and it's like, does that really happen? Like, do private school kids really get driven in a limo to school? I think some like, dramas I, do like overly dramatize yeah. a lot of scenes in you know, maybe it does happen, but because we're in such a different world that we'll never know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I do wonder that, and and it's really funny. Just the way in which um, these kind of series is from the nor- mid noughties to like mm-hmm. 2005 to 2010 ish, like the OC, where you have like the central lives of the people we're invested in are the teenagers, right? Yeah. But like their parents are also quite involved, and the and what really annoys us is um the parents seriously look like the same age as these teenagers. Uh, like yeah. it's ridiculous. It's so funny how like they just can't. Yeah, like, because no that's because they're, they're rich, you know. They they can get their Botox, they can get their facials, they can. I I don't know. It's almost <laughs> as if you know you don't see old people. Oh yeah, in obviously. But sets also, like this is because they kind of discriminate. They have money. The face of age, you know, of age. Yeah. When you're aging, you're not supposed to be on screen or yeah, something. Yeah, no, like absolutely. That. But also, um, but also the way in which they cast these teenage characters, like Serena Vanderwoodson, who's played by Blake Lively, like she literally looks like she's thirty years old when she's <laughs> supposed to be playing a sixteen-year-old. <laughs> it's just hilarious. It's really yeah. funny. Yeah, it but, happens. Uh, yeah, yeah but happens. we're we're being we're having a lot of fun watching it. 
a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, how about you? What What have you been watching this week? Okay, or reading? Um, yeah, uh, I finished. Lonely Castle in the Mirror last weekend is by Mizuki Tsujimuru. Oh, sorry, Tsujimura. Um, so it's a Japanese translated work. Lonely Castle in the Mirror. It's very Japanese style, I have to admit. There's a lot of nuances around Japanese cultural and social interactions. Or rather, I should say that it's more like an Asian style interactions. So, for example, like keeping distance with each other, the conversations mm. are not very straightforward. Or even that you become, you're very suspicious of someone new that you're meeting. Uh, the the story, the plot is about a girl named Kokoro, finding herself intertwined into this like a very messy high school relationship chaos where another girl accused her of stealing her crush. It's probably very similar to a lot of teenage genre drama in US, and that. Uh, bully took a group of girls to her house and threatened her and from from there she started stopping going to school and out of nowhere her mirror became like a portal where she can enter mm. to a castle and there she met a couple of children who happens to be the same situation as her who refuses to go to school mm-hmm. so the book really depicts on the interaction of these seven children they're all in high school age um their arguments, their obscure purpose in their lives. It's not really my type of book, to be (laughs) honest. I think it's because it's more like a a YA category in exploring friendship and navigating the coming-to-age sort of story. But apparently this book is rather popular in Japan and won several awards because it speaks to a lot of Japanese people's high school life, being bullied. Right, right. And not conforming to society, like feeling ostracized, etc. So to me, I I can resonate to the bully part, but throughout the whole book, uh, just seeing the interaction of the seven kids is kind of agonizing for me because none of them Mm. speaks directly or clearly to each other. Like they don't convey their what they want or what they need, especially the female characters. I guess it's because, you know, come to, coming down to traditionally that a lot of Asian females, that they were taught not to express yourself. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, you always have to put other people first. Yeah, I guess, I, I think it's more suitable for younger kids, maybe mm-hmm. not my age. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so speaking of what I watched <laughs> this week, my husband and I started watching Life and Beth, which is starring Amy oh Schumer. <laughs> seriously, the best human being. <laughs> Everything is the best for me. Um, yeah, I love Amy Schumer. Inside Amy Schumer is like the best show that was ever created, hands down. <laughs> um, we started watching Out of Nowhere. I was going to uh, start watching Dropouts. You know, the dropout, the, with, yeah, yeah, the dropout. Yeah, yeah, it's based on the book Elizabeth Holmes story. Elizabeth, yeah, that's right. But then this came up because it's a shorter episode; it's like less than thirty minutes, so nice, I can nice. watch it at the end yep. of the night, and I don't yep. have to stay up late if I yeah. want to continue to watch another episode. It's kind of a like a vibe between Fleabag. Shrew and my crazy ex-girlfriend. Oh, I like, like I'm it. I'm thinking that like, what's a nice combo? Yeah, what's with the television making shows that portrays women in their thirties yeah. making decisions that are deemed to be like really bad by the society? And like what? Seems, 
seems quite popular in the past five years. You know, the I feel like the commonalities of these shows are like women in their thirties, single. Then, yeah, they're, they're not exactly they're not exactly happy of where they yeah, are in, in their, their lives. Life. Yep, they're uh-huh. not married. They might have a relationship, but yeah, it's yeah. usually very shitty. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and they're they white kids, and they're white, of, yeah, course. of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, and they have happen. complicated parent and child relationship with their either their mom or their dad. Can I just say you should make a list and start thinking about <laughs> writing an essay about this because I I would really like to read this. Because yeah, you're so oh, you're so yeah. right. All of them are very similar. Yeah, it's very similar. Like I mean, why are these shows interesting? Is it because women around the world or maybe in the Western country feel like they resonate to it? Yes, yes. You know, when you know, so. they're thirty, they're not yeah. not going anywhere. Yeah. You know, they they're not looking into a prospect of being married, or they don't have a career path that they can move upward to. Mm. Is it really portraying the reality? I feel like it's partially yes as well mm. yeah i love that question helen think? I, I think it's like the same reason why there's so much female literature out there that i just i, I really tears me to these pieces seeing this shitty stuff that's coming out of australian publishing um <laughs> it just annoys me but like there are buyers like people the the biggest buyers in australia like books are, are white women or like australian women like women between 25 and 65 are the mm. biggest demographic of book buyers, you know? And so it makes sense that we are getting a lot of books that are not just written by these women within these categories, but mm-hmm. that centre, that make the protagonist, you know, someone who fits into this identity group. And I think what's so appealing about um, these shows that you mentioned where, you know, we have like, for instance, Fleabag and life and Beth, let Beth and life, whatever it's called. It's like um, women want not just to see themselves, but to feel like it's okay to to be in your 30s and not have it all together. Mm. Um, I, I think women want to see their lives narrated back to them, even if it's a bit outlandish, even if it is a bit different. Like I think every woman under this planet, under the sun, could have related somehow to the character of Fleabag, the kind of dysfunctional parent family, the, the sister, the relationship yes. with the sister was yeah. amazing. It was so beautiful. I was actually um, the funniest bit, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love her sister so yeah. much. I think it's um, very similar in Life and Beth. There's a very yeah, exactly. strange sister relationship yeah, with Amy like, Schumer's uh, character sister. and yeah. the sister. Yeah, yeah. and um, in um, Trainwreck, um, she, has a, she has a really interesting relationship with her sister there, you know, mm-hmm. played by... Um, what was her name? Brie Brie Larson. Yeah. Uh-huh, okay. Um, but yeah, like all of these things, these tropes, I guess. Um, women relate to it, and they see that themselves. Even if you're happily married with kids, like you want to see what's out there. We just want like more versions of women in their thirties. Yes. This might be Helen. I'm thinking just now. I, this might be something to do with the fact that I'm now about to hit my mid thirties, mm-hmm. like smack on mid thirties. But like I feel like it's I'm no longer interested in seeing some n- narrative about a younger woman. I want I'm more interested in the life of older women mm-hmm. because it feels like our older women are more interesting to me. Um, because I guess I'm not saying I'm become more interesting person, but I feel like the older I get, the less sure I am about things, and and there's more nuance and grays. Um, you learn that things are not black and white. Yes. Um, and I think, um, narratively speaking, it's so much more harder to depict those kind of life-changing um, 
muddling and like this sense of like borders melting I think that's way harder to depict on screen or in books than like just like writing about a young woman like trying to find herself and she's just like coming of age is mm-hmm. I feel like coming of age is easier to write than um, a very complex older person yeah you know I guess it's because when you're older there's a lot of options and you make decisions through I guess there's a lot more intersections throughout the life exactly exactly and exactly. the social responsibilities come with it as well as you get older you'll have the responsibilities of more people say for like for instance like your parents or if you decided to have a family you'll have responsibilities of your kids you'll have responsibilities of whatever the work that you're doing and i mm. think it is quite interesting um like like we, you just said that these shows are very white centric but speaking yeah. of other shows that i've seen in the recent years like for example we talked about Tokyo Girls. Tokyo, Tokyo Girl, okay. which was amazing. That's a brilliant oh, um, series. Yeah. And also, this hasn't translated, hasn't had English subtitles as well, but I've always talked about the making of Ordinary Woman. That's a Taiwanese drama as well. So it's a, uh-huh. it's about a woman who's entering her 40, big 40, and uh-huh. she's gone nowhere. And she was supposed to be married, and then oh and the engagement wow. was off. Um, uh-huh. So it, it's like a chaotic situation that happens almost at the same time when she was turning 39 and the year of her becoming 40 and how she's like starting to think oh i'm i'm getting nowhere i don't have anything i don't have a house i don't have a family and i have this nagging parents back at home where she used to work in taipei now she's going back south it's very interesting um, series, but I think I'm just hoping that you would eventually have English subtitles because it's so you, fun to watch. Can you tell me where to access it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll send you the link. But if you, yeah, can, you, like you can only watch it. watch it, you can only watch it in Chinese and Chinese. That's okay. I I, yeah. I, 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 can still get the gist of it. Yeah, I and, think. And because that that drama done so well, I probably repeated so much um, in our previous episodes. Is that because it goes through three generations of woman? It talks mm. about her earlier childhood and it's a comedy essentially it's a comedy as well but there's bits and pieces that are so poignant and only women who grew up in taiwan or asian women who will get it yeah yeah do you know remember that i sent you a clip where there was a scene that the protagonist was uh, having a flashback of her first period and then yeah. <laughs> the mom oh, yeah, yeah. gives and then her the, the pad, coming in. Yeah, 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 and telling and her the grandma oh, comes in. Yeah, yeah, the mom's telling her that oh, you should stop uh, having cold water. Don't drink ice yeah. stuff when you have your period. And yeah. you know, and the grandma start telling her that oh, yeah, you'll have period pains. You know, you have this pain, that pain, all sort of shitty <laughs> things coming up in the becoming a woman. And oh, the little gosh. girl says, oh, why is it so exhausting being a you know being female? Well, woman, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the grandmother and the mother says that, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Should it be yeah, a and woman? Then, yeah, and then she said, is there anything good about being a woman? <laughs> and then the grandma and mum immediately just say, nah. nah. <laughs> yeah. Buah. Buah, yeah. Buah, which is Taiwanese for But it's nothing. so, it's funny and sad at the same yeah, time. Yeah, Yeah, God. Yeah, that's really interesting. Well, um, let's uh, wrap it up for now. And oh, did you want to mention Honey, I Brew Up the Kids? 
Oh, okay. Um, yeah, we finished the trilogy. Um, uh, sort of trilogy. Uh, so last week we started Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and then it went, goes from that to 1980. I think that's a 1987 film. 1992, Honey, I Blew Up the Kids, which mm-hmm. is, like, really cute. They blow up little Adam. Um, it's a very cute film. I think that was pretty pretty funny. Um, and then the last one made in 1997, which is quite, like... I guess like quite no not not quite a big leap four years later ish, um, is uh, honey I shrunk ourselves mm. which is only like an hour and ten minutes which oh, is very, very short like I know it's such mm. a short film but it definitely didn't feel like that, um, and what I think I, my what I think this this film is quite amazing is just just one scene where Alison Mack who plays the daughter of one of the um, the main character's cousin, I'm oh, sorry, brother. So she's like the nephew, niece, I guess, mm-hmm. of Rick Moranis. Um, she like has a party. She has a house all to herself. She brings her friends. Mila Kunis is in this film oh, um, okay. as like a 12-year-old. It's really sweet <laughs> seeing all these women, all these like people we know so well now as like kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and Alison Mack, who, you know, is most famous for being in that cult, Nexium which, you know, we won't get into here, but uh, she plays this character who makes a phone call to a guy she has a crush on because they're playing Truth and Dare. And then the young boy, this young boy, like 12 years old, he rocks up at her house and then they kind of dance, flirt, and then he asks her to join him in the kitchen where, like, they're talking and then he suddenly, like, kisses her and then she completely reacts badly as in like she freaks out she's like mm. i didn't ask you you, you didn't yeah. ask me if you could do that you know and i remember like she basically is like the one of the best scenes about just about consent you know mm-hmm. and and it's very so prescient because like we're talking about it now all these sex education and consent yes. mandatory education mm-hmm. now you know being legislated but it was such a miraculous scene to see in almost 30 years ago you know 1997 mm. Um, to have the scene. And I remember as a kid watching the scene and, like, being jolted by it because I thought, of course that's how you want... As a girl, I thought that's how I wanted men to, like, boys to um, act around me. Yeah, yeah. they just, they just yeah, like, no. they make the first move. It was so really I, I remember, bad education. Yeah, I remember seeing we it as a kid up. and I yeah. was like... Um, I was like, oh, why did, she, why did she freak out? Like, doesn't she want the guy to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, watching the scene now is like, wow, this is pretty fucking amazing. Like, uh-huh. this girl really has all the language that we're now using, you know, in 2022. Jesus, fuck yeah. Um, so it's yeah, it's it's just out of nowhere. This scene uh-huh. is um, quite interesting, and I, I guess like I would love to be able to kind of canonize this scene as something we should look up to mm-hmm. as we move forward into you know as we as as our government <laughs> moves forward in trying to construct or build this um, this education program on consent. You know, yeah, I mean That's a lot great. of things that we already learned from the movies, which is pretty much very toxic when we were growing up and then out of nowhere you have something very different I know exactly a different type of thinking that mm-hmm. you could mm-hmm. express yourself in another way yeah exactly yeah. beautiful beautiful scene okay let's take a break and when we come back we're going to be talking about a very heavy topic uh, yeah. yeah I mean <laughs> it's heavy but also um I, I just want to preface our discussion about adoption um Mm. so helen and i are going to talk about adoption what i really want to focus on today is really the logistical practical administrative Mm -hmm. aspects of what it's like if you're interested in um to adopt a kid from taiwan Mm -hmm. um 
as a New South Wales resident. So it's just purely uh, this podcast episode from now here on is really um, – <laughs> I'm, it's very inf- informational. So a lot of the stuff I'll be talking about is really taken directly from the New South Wales government website on adoption. And we'll, we'll go into detail after the break. But yeah, um, thank you for prefacing that, Helen. Anything else you want to add before we take a break? No, that's it. Yeah, let's okay. take a break. We'll be, we'll be right back. Hi guys, we're back. So this is Jess. And I'm Helen. And you're listening to Asian Bitches Down Under. Uh, We're going to chat today. Really, the reason why I've been thinking about this is Mm. a lot of what I've been researching is quite superficial, as in... No, um, they're not. They're not superficial. No. Oh, well, like, I just... What I mean is that um, this topic is so complicated and mm. so complex. And yes. the thing is, it always, it's always changing. So these mm. kind of adoption laws are always changing. So I just want to let our listeners know that um, this is information that is current and relevant as of April 2022. Mm-hmm. But um, obviously, just listen to this um, episode. And just um, I want people to use this as a way to go into their own research. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, everyone's situation is different. Yes. And I just want to let people know that, and, you know, through through the information I'll be giving today, really the basic things that you need to know, who's barred from adopting from where, who's not, you know, things like that. Um, and, uh, and also let listeners know that um, I have had quite a few in correspondences with adoption casework from the Department of Communities and Justice, mm-hmm. who are the department government that you know, are in charge of adoption. Um, and uh, they um, are very, very proactive with emailing you. So that's mm. all I wanted to kind of say before I go into the nuts and bolts of this conversation. Helen, was there anything else you wanted to add before I start? Well, no, I don't have anything to add, but I just had a kind of like a question to ask why did you choose to pick up the topic yeah. of adoption? I know we yeah. spoke briefly last year because I read Nicole Chon's All You Can Ever Know. And that was like a huge, Im- not a huge impact to me, but it was something that the story that I don't read like every day. It's yeah. not white centric and it's written by an Asian and because we started to read a lot of Asian works the past two years and uh, a book, a, a basically a memoir that's written by an Asian adoptee but of a yeah. white family. It's quite interesting to yeah. me. I really want to hear her perspectives and see how she feels and how that would change society and it's surrounding around a lot of issues around race and society. But that's not what we're going to be talking about today. So what about you? Where? Yeah. So Helen, next episode is going to talk about the kind of cultural, kind of cultural pieces of artwork that are out there of a lot of American, like this is something that I want to say um, about if you're a listener in Australia, um, adoption and adoptees in America and like Asian adoptees specifically, they're very prominent. Mm-hmm. They have so because I think because of just you know because it's America, and because of the history, you know, Korean yeah. War, so many things. They have a way more stronger network of adopt- adoptees, adoptees. Yeah. and that community is just absolutely out of this world compared to what mm-hmm. we have here. Mm. Um, for all reasons, you can you can absolutely just assume yourself. But yeah, like I 
Personally, I think the reason why I've been fascinated and wanted to talk about just kind of like the logistical parts of this is because um, I guess I'm getting older mm-hmm. and I guess like I, I've been thinking about whether or not um, I, I guess I'm facing the reality that um, I might not be able to give birth naturally if I wanted to give birth naturally. Like that's a whole mm-hmm. other story I haven't yeah. really I won't go into and because I haven't really processed myself. Mm-hmm. But like um, c- natural conception and all that, I guess personally speaking, Obviously, um, if I wanted that, I would choose to have that, I think. Mm -hmm. But if it didn't work out, because I feel like because I'm getting older, the option for me to go down that route is actually becoming a reality. You know, Mm -hmm. actually realizing, oh, I'm like 40 in five years time. Mm -hmm. I might not be able to conceive naturally. So and like because I'm when I was younger, I always thought if I can't have a child myself, I would um, just adopt. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought if I wanted to be a parent, um, I would adopt. And, like, it's something that I just kind of threw out as, like, an option, a plan B that was assumed as though I could could get it if I want. Just kind of like, um, uh, oh, um, if I felt like apples one day, Mm -hmm. I could just pop down to the IGA and get apples, you Mm -hmm. know? No dramas. Yeah. But then, like, one day I sat down and I thought, okay, let's just, like, because I had, like, literally half an hour free, I just thought I would just, like, spend a few minutes... And do a very, very, very basic Google search uh-huh. on like what are the things, what are the barriers to adoption if I did want to go down that route, you uh-huh. know? And I was faced with a lot of interesting <laughs> things, Helen. Like very just, complicated, isn't it? it? Whoa, wow. It's very like so the issue of adoption is very complicated. Mm-hmm. It's very intricate and complex. And each state has it very differently with each country mm-hmm. that yes. we Australia partners with. So every country has a, a partnership with an other countries that, you know, allow inter- inter-country adoptions, right? Mm-hmm. And like I said before, it's always changing. And again, like I'd say, obviously, we'd recommend you to go to official websites um, for your own state mm. but um, where you will be guided in the right, right direction. But um, just very – I'll launch into things right now. So in Australia, the partner countries we have, um, there are 13 partner countries you can adopt from, children from. Okay. And this and, – and before I list them, I'll say um, this is – if you do, this is like um, if you don't have any ties with the other another country. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, like, say if you are from um, Jamaica and you want to adopt a kid from, like, someone of your blood relative or something like that. If you have some sort of connection, obviously there are other means for that. But mm-hmm. this is just for like people who have no connections yes. outside of the country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, the list of countries you're eligible to adopt the child from are um, in alphabetical order: mm-hmm. Bulgaria, Chile, China, Colombia. Hong Kong, India, Latvia, Poland, South Africa, South Korea, Sri Lanka, Thailand, and our very own Taiwan. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I heard in many, many, many years ago, I thought, oh, great, Taiwan's on the list. Mm -hmm. Like, we could adopt from our own country if we wanted. But what I found very interesting is... um. Like, when you click on all these links, immediately at the top tells you who can adopt and who can't. And a lot of these, and what I'll be talking about specifically today, uh, mm-hmm. um, is the page on Taiwan. Okay. Mm-hmm. According to the New South Wales government at the moment. So um, what I found surprising, Helen, was that um, in Taiwan has two um, organisations you can adopt from. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are the Child Welfare League Foundation, which is an NGO, and, um, and the Ch- Changi Social Welfare Foundation. And I believe one of them, I don't know which one, um, is a Christian-based. And so for that reason, um, who can adopt? Only married couples can adopt. Mm-hmm. And, you have to be mar- and you have to be married 
for at least two years. Um, some of them are different, three years, some. Um, can who I, can't adopt? Can I just put who, some of my... Yeah, in, like, I'll just, just say really yeah. quickly, you, you can only adopt if you're married for at least mm-hmm. two years. And if you're in a same-sex couple, you can't adopt. And if you're um, a, in a de facto relationship, you cannot adopt. Mm. You know, I only came to know that we the Australian citizens can adopt Chinese children only a couple of years ago when I first moved up to Central Coast. Yeah. The second yeah. day, this is my story, the second day we moved in here, I took our kids to a local park, which is just across the road from our place. There was a huge playground there. And I came across with a white mother with three boys. And the youngest mm. was an Asian. And I immediately know that, yeah, okay, it's a, a adopted child. And then the mom start calling the child and Chinese name, Yong, something, I can't remember. But because yeah. the first character is same as my kid's character, yeah. Chinese yeah. name. So I picked up this like Yong Sen or something. Yeah. Anyway, and because I was the only Asian face in the playground, she approached me and started talking to me about, oh, so where you're from? Um, uh-huh. How old are your kids? You know, just uh-huh, the usual uh-huh. wow. initial conversations between like two strangers, yeah. strange, stranger parents at the playground. And we started talking and she told me that her, th- her youngest child, her youngest boy mm-hmm. is from Taiwan. She adopted him. Wow. Like a couple of years um I think a year before. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So the child was a similar age to my youngest. I think they were both okay. three or maybe a little bit younger at the time. Uh-huh. Yeah. And she told me that there's actually a church institution that goes mm. to Taiwan and adopt kids mm. as a group. So okay. apparently you have to be Christian, like what you said that one oh, of the institutions right, in Taiwan right. is Christian. So it's very religion-based. Right. Yeah, right. And I do feel like a lot of adoption agencies are like that as well. Um, They're very, yeah, very religious-based. Religious yeah. And she was telling me that, oh, you know that up on Central Coast, there's a lot of Taiwanese adoptees. I'm like, what? Really? I don't Wait, know how they, at all. How have you never told me this? Oh, I probably mentioned it briefly to you, but oh, I, I don't. Okay. I didn't really go into detail because yeah. um, we we actually the mom actually exchanged contact with me, but we never really catched up because yeah, right. she invited me to church, and you know how much oh, I dislike yes, <laughs> church yeah. events, so I never really caught up. But she did on our first, you know, on on, on that encounter, in on that interaction, she did tell me that oh, we do have a lot of um, Chinese kids that adopted. In central around Central Coast, and we meet up occasionally to talk mm. about culture and things like that. Mm. But right, right. I, I didn't really, I didn't get the vibe that she wanted to introduce me into that group. Not because I'm not a part of, I'm not a part of like the adoption circle, but I, I do yeah. get a vibe of because being Chinese myself, yeah. she feel like I. This is only my assumption, you know, this yeah, yeah, might yeah, be yeah. not what she was thinking, but I, I think there's kind of like a gatekeeping sort of feeling for me, as mm. if because I'm Chinese myself, but she mm. didn't want her child to interact with someone who can maybe show the kid the culture mm. beyond what mm. she can do. 
I think she she told me about the experience that oh my whole family went to Taiwan. We stayed there for two weeks. You know, Taiwan is such a beautiful country. We did this, we do that, and then、mm. we pick up our child, and then we came back.、Mm. I didn't get the sense of、um, she really wanted to know the background of the kid. I think、mm. it, it happens to a lot of adoptees, Asian adoptees,、oh, yeah. who are adopted into white families. That the white family probably just didn't put enough effort into.、Mm. This is you know beyond what we're going to talk about today. So this I'll be talking about it next week. I think it goes、mm. beyond to the race and the complications between the adoption family and the adoptees.、Mm. Yeah, so that's so interesting. That's and、experience. so heartbreaking. So heartbreaking, but I feel like this. But I feel very.、Um, I quite admire the way you were able to deconstruct that really strange interaction, because there must be a lot of weird power dynamics going on there. Because she is the mother. Yes. And 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 you, as someone who is a blood native of the her child, her guardian child,、mm-hmm. that must be quite scary and threatening. Yeah, you know, for her, like, I guess. Like、yeah. by just by your blood and how you look,、um, you are more akin to relating to that young boy,、mm-hmm. whereas she doesn't have access to any of his internal, all of all of the history of that young boy's body. You know, you are closer to. So of、yeah. course she'd be a bit like. Yeah. She'd of course she'd have some weird thing where she would like to bring you into her life, but also not bring you so close that. You would be a com- in competition with her,、mm-hmm. you know. Like I wouldn't、Because、think of like that, but no, of course. At the same time,、yeah. I can understand that she's not gonna love this child anymore, less than her own kids. Yeah, of course, of course. We hope, but I feel like there's always a very strange dynamic after reading. Oh yeah. After reading the story of Nicole Chan, Nicole Chan, and also other Asian adoptees, like there's yeah a very very complicated dynamics between. And I yeah, and I think being very what, what, different to your family. What is yeah, and I would think what is so useful—not useful is the wrong word—but like what's so valuable、um, about hearing Asian adoptee voices is because they can speak to and and their 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 experience is sort of like an undeniable example of racism. You know,、mm-hmm. if 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 if、exactly. if a kid grows grows up in a, a a family where all of his parents and his siblings are white. And then he still, you know, says you know, like I'm just giving an example of um uh, I forget his name, but he has a, a very cool name, a U.S.、Uh, gymnast、uh, who was adopted, I believe, from Korea, and he、um, has been very public about like all the stuff that he experienced racism wise when he was growing up because like nobody looked like him,、mm-hmm. all the kids were white, and they were he was they were he was t- teased because he didn't look like his siblings. Yeah, and it kind of reminds me, Helen, of. Celeste Ng's、uh, Little Fires Everywhere, you know that book, and also the TV series starring Reese Witherspoon, where we do have a subplot of、um, one of the main characters, her friend,、um, is trying to adopt a Chinese baby,、mm. you know, and her、mm. Chinese baby is,、uh, you know, being adopted. But then the mother comes back, and it's like the, the, one of the sub genre sort of sub plots of that book is, you know, who is the better mother, the the person who actually gave birth to the mother, or the or the mother who has the Uh, financial means of giving the child、mm-hmm. the best life that it can,、yeah. you know.、Um, it's it's a very sociological and maternal social investigation, I guess.、Mm-hmm. Okay, I found out the genus name is your your Madua. Yeah, your Mad. 
your jewel or something yeah. yeah he's he's awesome yeah. yeah um i have a little i have a picture of him as a baby on my desktop <laughs> that i look at every day when i open my uh, open my laptop i know that's kind of weird but he kind of looks like russell like our uh, nephew that's mm-hmm. why i really like him mm-hmm. like i just think oh um i just you know when i see little asian kids i'm just like I think in my in my in my head I I I want a world where little Asian kids can grow up and not have to face all the f- effing shit that I faced. Mm. And so that that motivates yeah. me to do better, you know? Or to just speak out against racism. Yeah. Okay, um so coming back, I um I guess yeah, so children in need of um what well, these these children in Taiwan in need of interdoption in a country adoption. Um, this is the list of the um, the things, mm-hmm. uh, the different uh, categories of children um, that they have listed on the website. So they are toddlers up to the age of three who have complex and medical social issues, including birth family with mental illness, psychiatric problems and intellectual disability, um, maternal drug abuse, such as heroin or amphetamine, neonatal abstinence syndrome. What's that? Primat- um, I don't know. Maybe do a, maybe do a quick Google search while I run yeah, down the okay. list of the other ones. Premature birth, hepatitis C or B, correctable health effects, uh, medical conditions or physical issues, uh, undernourishment from neglect, physical abuse, uh, and uh, older children and siblings grouped age four to seven with complicated social histories. So it's really quite like wide, I guess. You never know what you might get or what is out there and um they the kids these kids live in government supervised foster homes yeah. or institutions uh, like helen said before often religious institutions um a, a lot of these children have often some developmental delay so there are specific eligibility criteria like i said before to adopt from taiwan mm-hmm. And you need to kind of fit a lot of different molds. Like, um, like I said, you need to have been married at least two or three years. Um, it depends on which agency you go with. You can't have been divorced more than twice. Oh. So strange. It's so strange. But I get it. I get why these legal things are there. You can't be in a same-sex relationship or a de facto couple. That is so far. Um, yeah. yeah. You can apply if you're single, which is interesting. It's like single people have more... Right, have more than uh, cachet sex. than yeah. yeah. It's oh, it just anyway. Yeah, you don't need to hear me rant about how awful these things are. Um, and also the age is important. So both you and your partner, um, mm-hmm. need to be under the age of fifty. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and and the age gap between you and your child that you adopt must be mm-hmm. between twenty and fifty years. You also have to be in good health, so they consider it. It says um, you can't have any kind of mental illness. It says mental illness, but it is preferred that you are no longer on medication if you once were. Mm-hmm. So that's like really ostracizing people and you know mental illness. Mm-hmm. Full stop. And you haven't, you can't have been diagnosed with depression for three years before applying. Wow. I know, right? It's so. Oh, There's so much yeah. restrictions. Oh my gosh! Um, okay, there's more uh, education. You have to have at least graduated from high school, which like immediately I was just like, "That's fucked up." Because I know someone who is uber smart and she never finished high school. I'm gonna um, say everything about this at the end. It's discriminatory. Yeah, yeah. yeah? Uh, at the yeah, end. You gotta, yeah, you got to. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me finish the list. Um, you can't have more than four children of your own mm-hmm. if you want to adopt. And finances, you and your partner, you have to have a stable occupation. 
And what does that even mean? Yeah, how do you like, how do you standardize exactly stable occupation? Yeah, and income. Yeah. And 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 that is the list. That is a rundown of the first social group, the、um, CWFL. But in the partner group number two, the Chi Yung Social Welfare Foundation,、yep. this is even more extraordinary. You should have a BMI of less than thirty. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like discriminating against people who have a BMI of more than thirty. It's like what? Why does that even matter? Yeah, it's Jeez, yeah. This is so fucked up. <laughs> okay, so、uh, I just want to run down before I hear from Helen. Um, waiting times. So I looked、mm. through all the other countries, and some countries wait times are up to nine years. Jesus Christ! Nine years for some countries, which means that、I'm、you like, need to start applying if you're when you're like twenty, twenty, or there were thirty-nine will be your when you're thirty-nine. That will probably your final year to yeah, to apply. Oh, oh it's yeah, yeah. I, I that just absolutely confounds me that. I don't know anyone who would wait nine years. Like people's lives change in one year, let alone nine. You know, like yeah. And you apply for、uh, what's gonna happen in those nine years. Exactly. Exactly. Want any want the adoption、exactly. anymore? There's so、Or、many things that could happen. Pregnant with your own kids、yeah. and things、It's, like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, so um, in Taiwan, wait up waiting times are up to three years.、Mm-hmm. Apparently, when Taiwan accepts your file, and who knows how long it'll take them to accept a file, you know,、mm. um, there are shorter waiting times if you're adopting with a child with special needs,、mm-hmm. and um, the cost. Um, so the estimated fees, and this is in US. I should be able to do it in my head somehow, but US it's between five thousand and fourteen thousand US.、Mm-hmm. So I'd say like between ten twenty five grand、yes. to adopt a child.、Mm-hmm. And Helen, um, let me hear what you say. Um, what your thoughts are so far about all of what I just said before I speak. Okay.、Uh, first、more. of all, I looked up ne- neonatal abstinence syndrome. Syndrome. Yeah. It's a it's a group of conditions caused when a baby withdraws from a certain drug he's exposed to. The womb before birth. Oh,、yeah. right. So、okay. you know the mother will be possibly be taking some drugs and then during the yeah. pregnancy. Yeah. Okay. And 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 I just want to also say before、mm-hmm. um I hear your thoughts. Sorry, all the fees, the estimated fees I was just describing, they don't include translation fees, travel fees, accommodation fees, incidental. It's just for the agency. You know, Exactly, it's like paperwork,、yeah. administrative yeah,、exactly. work. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I'll bet to you, all those other fees I just mentioned will probably be more, more. Yeah, more, of course. Or as much, or even more、uh-huh. than the quotes、yeah. I've quoted.、Uh-huh. Okay.、I'll, My first thought、ahead. when I、mm. saw the list that the requirement <laughs> to just go through adoption is that、yeah. only if our society goes through the same. Or similar criteria、oh、for people、God. to have kids. I love. Honestly, I freaking love. It's、this. just so different. Can you imagine, like you're governing, you know, people who wants to adopt because they feel the need to have kids in their life, but they cannot. But、yeah. whereas kids popping out from vaginas every day from、yeah. irresponsible adults. Oh my god! <laughs> or、yeah. even kids, kids having kids. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Or it's just like the, the there are generational issues there. You know, sometimes when we see in some families, but I'm not. I don't want to speak badly about them, but it's just like the overall governance of adoption seems so strict. Whereas there's no 
control about how people have kids nowadays and we're seeing children being abused from their biological parents as well yeah. what do you yeah. say about that how how are you gonna there's no enough controls of governance around people who are going through domestic violence and people just having kids freely but yeah with yeah well, it's just so different i think i know i know what you mean but also like i don't see a world where that can happen helen yeah, I know. You know, yeah, there's I, no I way think... that we can control people. And, and I, do, I mean, I don't want a world that controls a woman's choice, right? Mm. Um, but I, I know, I totally know what you mean when you say there seems to be, there, there's so much, like all that list I wrote, there's so much regulation about being a parent and yet there's no guidelines or recommendations or kind of, there's nothing at all around how to be a parent in a straight couple or any, any exactly. if you're a straight person, it's yeah. so easy to just become a parent. And you That's have to have right. zero criteria. You have to go through trainings, even with fostering, you know, becoming a foster parent. You have to go to trainings. Yeah. You have to go to examinations. People come and visit you and inspect your places. Yeah, yeah. But I'm listening to so many complaints from from women about their partners who cannot fucking change nappies or who just couldn't do the yeah. basic parenting tasks. So yeah, you yeah. do wonder, yeah. like, is it how really a choice? Eligible? Yeah, how can they be yeah. eligible at all to, yeah. to, be to have kids? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. It's so right. I feel like right now, Helen, just uh, on a personal side, I feel like Billy would be the perfect person to be in this conversation because <laughs> he has yes. taught me a lot uh-huh. about the um, about the absolute patheticness of straight couples who have kids uh, with zero mm. kind of criteria like he just said there's so many basic people out there who just if they wanted to they can have children so easily they can have like i think more more so the conversations i've had with him are the the criticism in which he has towards like the sharp eye he has towards like the way in which parenthood within because mostly you know let's just just say it straight mostly it's like most of the world's parents are straight mm-hmm. or like in straight heteronormative relationships right mm-hmm. and his attack mostly has been on the fact that parenthood is so fucking solemnized so like there's so much solemnity mm-hmm. and um taciturn you know the the sort of oh he's a parent like wow his guy's a father so like you know oh, you know yeah. how when people uh-huh. talk about you you see like even president obama's bio like the first Think that everything is puts, about the father. It's like father, father of three, mother, father of two, like mother yeah, of three, mother oh of yeah, yeah. As a, it's like, like, like a credit. Identity. It's almost yeah, like exactly. the, the credit that you get being the human exactly. in the society it's, it's is because that you give birth to a person. Well, that's exactly. I, I know that is such a wonderful thing. It should be celebrated, but it shouldn't come as a fact that there are a lot of people who cannot become a parent as well. Yeah, exactly. They have troubles, and of that becoming doesn't a parent, mean that they're, they're any less. You yeah, know, they're not less capable or exactly brilliant yeah. as a human or less valuable. But we see it you know? so much yeah. here. What you just oh mentioned. yeah, totally. The differences between adoption and having kids naturally, the the, the disparity, you know, it's between insane, yeah. two situations is just insane. Because I can I know I can honestly say that there are a lot of biological parents. They are shit parents. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they don't really deserve to be parents, but yeah, again, our society yeah. allows people to have kids really because it's 
the human rights exactly i know that yeah it is a human right yep yep but then you're coming back to you know governance on people who wanted to have kids but cannot they have to go through all this training the procedures nine years waiting to the yeah. point that people most people will probably give up yeah yeah, yeah exactly um this this talk really this discussion we're having is uh, going down a path I did not expect and I really <laughs> like where it's going down because like um I do question imagine there's a world where like there's a society or a government mm. where like you have to go through training and cultural awareness and and sensitivity and emotional intelligence all those courses mm. that foster parents have to go through imagine if straight couples were forced to go through all those things before they became parents imagine if straight men were like forced to <laughs> take like um they were fucking to, to take a nappy wrapping lessons <laughs> know. you know or things like that <laughs> or like being made to sign contracts that said like you will do like half the amount of child minding mm-hmm. as your female partner something yes. like that wouldn't that be amazing that's what I've been I thinking. I, I, I want to write something. I, want, well, I really want to write a story, something like that. I've been thinking about for years about why uh, we're seeing, we're still seeing so much complaints from the woman in uh, cis heteronormative yeah, couples, yeah, yeah. and there's no really a change. There's no progress. I don't feel like there's enough progress. I know that within my own little circles that with our own families that we are seeing the partners we're seeing the male partners are doing a lot more than our previous generation but i'm still hearing so much and it's becoming so excessive to the point i'm like well am i should i be happy that i'm the only one around my own social circle that my male partner really does a lot of things should i be celebrating him or should i be just considering that uh, sometimes it's just a fucking bare minimum, you know. Yeah. But yeah. a lot of men out there that just doesn't do enough or not doing it at all in their relationship as a partner and as a parent as well. It just yeah. I feel like it's I don't know if it's going backwards or is it really going forwards. It's really hard to yeah, tell. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. It is very hard to tell. I I completely I completely sympathize with everything you've just said, <laughs> and I I do wonder. If all the couples out there who have trouble having kids or conceiving or, like, have no idea how difficult it is for people who cannot give birth naturally mm. to know all the things that they... All the all the hurdles, all the hoops that they have to jump through, how they would feel about... Sometimes there's a, um unreasonable resentment, I feel, to couples who just have children so easily. And I know it's not reasonable for me to feel this way, you know, because who knows, I could be one of those people who, you know, the moment, the moment I decide to be a mum, I get pregnant, you know, um, I probably will start resenting myself. Um, I don't know. It's just, it feels as though there's a really big imbalance between people who want something a lot, like very strongly, a desire to be a parent and are denied it for biological and social reasons. Yes. Not everyone and, can and the afford way, it. Yeah, exactly. It's and the way in which um, sort of like what I, I feel like I'm not really getting my point across, just like kind of the easy way in which straight couples can conceive if mm-hmm. they want and and the amount of absolute reverie and respect and solemnity that they, they get automatically just from the ease in which 
it's kind of like the what I'm talking about is kind of like white male entitlement. Just like mm, you know, um, yes. they get so much um, reverence by by um, so doing just being so white being and white male. exactly yeah. or being male or like just like yeah. It's just when I think about my privilege, yeah, like it's like we we over reward people for the things that they didn't have to work hard to get, kind mm, of. I get you. And yeah. and I guess like um, I've seen this a lot in the spaces I moved around. And this is something that Billy and I talk about a lot, and he sees it a lot as well. And, mm. the, and he tells me, like, men in these corporate worlds have, like, female partners who do 80 90% of the housework or the child rearing, mm-hmm. and yet they get, like, 150% of the kudos yes. of, like, fatherhood. <laughs> you know, they're, like, praised. Yes. Like, when, when a guy comes into the office and is like, oh, my wife's pregnant with her second, it's like, wow, congratulations. It's yeah. like, wow, you've done your job. You've fucking... Come inside her. Wow, well done. And like she ends up doing like eighteen years of maybe more rearing, and yet the guy gets all the credit. Yes, and and I I hate hate, and like and yeah and like when I was teaching in girls' schools, I would often um, there were often kind of these male male teachers Mm. who really really banked on this kind of just absolute um uh, uh, absolute um. A reverence that they received from their from the, all the women around them like they would start speeches like oh i know i'm the guy but you know i've got three daughters so mm. i know something about what it's like to you know <laughs> why teach do they girls? always think that automatically that they know something just because just, they have daughters yeah i know because they're it's pathetic it's because you know because i they, think it's almost like a misogynistic method to shield yourself from from people will be criticize you later. About yeah, your, you yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a de- it's defensive, isn't it? Yes, it's a defense. Yes. it's defensive. And I also also want to say I I jar whenever anyone starts a sentence with as a mother or like as a father. You know, like I've I've noticed this a lot. Um, mm. the other day I was at a workshop, uh, a panel discussion with a couple of women. Jenna Price was one of them, uh, you know, SMH columnist. And she was like, she said that a couple of times. She would start a sentence with, as a mother, I feel like this generation, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, why do you have to preface the fact that you're a mother? Why, mm. why are you giving yourself, why are you stepping on that pedestal? You have like, to put you yourself in to, that position. Yeah, in order to, to yeah. find feel some sort of authority over me, mm-hmm. just because I'm not a mother, like... I hate. I really find it very uncomfortable, and I hope that if I ever become a mum, um, I don't use that. I don't ever start a sentence with "as a mum." <laughs> you know, it's just like it's kind of like it's such a flex. It's like, oh, so what if you're a mum? Doesn't mean you know more than me, right? I think from speaking from experiences, you can't deny that there are mothers that will probably know more. But I guess it changes when you, because I'm a mum myself. And I'm trying to navigate the conversations that we have today. Not that I dislike my kids, not that not that I hate my partner, but it does sound like every time I talk about issues like this, my yeah. friends will always think that, oh, do you have a really difficult kids to deal with? I mean, I do, but not to the point that the things that I talk about on our podcast or the things that I share on my social media. It's because I'm hearing so much stories. I'm hearing so much stories around me that mm. I feel like, am I the one who got the lorry ticket? I won the lorry ticket that I didn't mm. have to experience similar, you know, things like those women 
but at the same time, I feel like, no, I, I didn't win the lottery ticket just because my partner, my male partner, my husband does a lot around the house or、mm. really contributed as a team, you know, in our relationship. Yeah, yeah. It's because yeah, yeah. that I really talked to him and he is smart enough to know that he needs to change. It's a process. It was a trajectory for us as well. Yeah, yeah. But also, yeah. you made the choice. Yeah, I made the choice. You chose.、Definitely. You chose him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I made the choice of that we need to be better. Like I'm not gonna put up with shits in my life. Yeah, yeah. You know? But also, you're not blaming the women for not bringing up these conversations. Yes. You're, you're not victim、yeah. blaming. I'm not victim blaming.、Yeah. I'm just saying that、yeah. how can we change as a society as a whole? Yeah, yeah. and you know, talking about it today also, <laughs> this is not going to any. This is not really going through anywhere. But it's really relative to everyone's life. I think.、Uh, I'm just hoping that it will change for the better. You know, and I do hope that the children of next generation. Can have a better life than us, so that's、mm. why we're really unpacking all this shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to、um, circle back to adoption in Taiwan、mm-hmm. and just kind of finish off this episode by saying, kind of reading out an email. So I emailed the、um, intercountry adoptions caseworker、okay. from the Department of Communities and Justice about my kind of just inquiring、mm-hmm. very superficially、uh, about you know I'm Taiwanese myself、yeah. like I was born in Taiwan I came when I was five I'm an Australian citizen if I ever wanted to adopt from Taiwan、um, how could I do it yeah、um, if do I have any kind of special eligibility <laughs> can you jump can the I, queue can I jump the queue exactly <laughs> Helen exactly what I thought can I jump the queue because I'm Taiwanese、mm-hmm. and I thought maybe no but he wrote back and he wrote he said this your connection to Taiwanese culture and language is highly regarded. It is great. It can be great a benefit. It can be a great benefit to an adopted child to maintain connection to the country of birth, language, culture, and birth family. But and then he goes on to you know say, please note that Taiwan only accepts applications from married couples who have been married for at least oh yeah two all、years. those criteria. Ah,、uh, this does not compl- include same sex couples. It's yeah. That's kind of all I wanted to say for this episode at least. But、um, I I really like the way in which you made me think about yeah like the way in which this conversation turned, and the pivot it took I really like how you said um imagine if there were similar criteria、mm-hmm. to straight couples becoming parents yeah I would say like the population of the world would halve within like a day, <laughs> or maybe not even half like ninety percent of kids more than born you know more than half. Yeah. yeah, I just、What、can't you, imagine.、Helen? I cannot imagine just straight cis male going through those training. Oh yeah, exactly. And yeah. they, I'm not saying that I don't have. I'm not hopeful for them, but the at this current moment, the story I the stories I'm hearing, I just don't feel like there's enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's it from me. It kind of yeah. Before we wrap up this episode. When you, I know this is completely different, but you yourself, I know, and I, I just want to say this again: it's、mm-hmm. very different. I understand. Yes. But when you were talking about all the education and the seminars and the training that you need as a foster parent,、mm. you had to do a lot to be a foster dog, to be the guide dogs parent, right? Yeah. Even that was like even that several several months. You have、life. to have. We had like three inspections. Just people coming、yeah, right. to our house. To check yeah,、right. the fence, to check the house,、yeah. to check the family members, to ask、oh、whether、gosh. or not、um, 
you guys use drugs? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think they ask that. But they check the environment of the house. Can you imagine no. inspectors going to a couple's house just before you're going to conceive a child? Yeah, exactly. And say and that seeing, no, your, yeah. your, your house is not you know, child safe proof. Safe, exactly. You're not going to have yeah. kids. Or, yeah, yeah um, I know. You're taking some kind of, I don't know, kind of recreational drugs that you shouldn't have drugs, kids. yeah, exactly. No one exactly. police people... No choose, one police yeah, hetero straight couples. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and like you, you were looking after a dog. I know. We were whereas like, there's absolutely no policing of like people looking after human beings. That is so fascinating. I never thought of that. Dope, you're a freaking genius. I like. I love the way your mind works. We I really come up with this I, story about that. I did yeah. not think of that, but you're yeah, just brilliant, just really brilliant, Dua. You're so right on that. It's not. Mm, this is. That's why I constantly say that this is this world is really fucked up. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> anyway, okay. okay, that's the end of our episode. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, and Apple, and give us a five star rating. If you'd like to support what we do here at Asian Bitches Down Under, head to our Buy Me a Coffee page and make a donation for us to continue the intersectionality in the podcast industry. Please follow us on Instagram at asian.bitches.down.under for updates and share with your fellow podcast lovers. I'm getting tongue twisted here and we'll chat to you next time. <laughs> Talk to Thanks much. guys. Yeah. yeah, we'll be back with another episode with Helen talking about the cultural aspects of adoption. Stay safe everyone. Bye. Bye.